0: Are you ready to accelerate the growth of your business? Welcome to the Revenue Growth Podcast. This is the place for business owners, sales leaders, and marketing professionals to get ideas and inspiration to drive exponential revenue growth. Each week, you'll get actionable insights from the world's leading marketing and sales thought leaders and practitioners. Are you ready to grow? Let's join our host, Daryl Amy, author of Revenue Growth Engine. Welcome back to the Revenue Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Amy, trailblazer and growth architect. Today, we're going to learn about new ways to leverage technology to boost sales productivity while also improving client interactions. This is going to be a fantastic conversation with Joel Stevenson. He's the CEO of Yesware. By the way, if you have a sales team and you want to boost results, you need to get to know selling from the heart. What's great about the Selling from the Heart approach is how it takes a different approach to driving sales. The goal is to build trust quickly with clients and prospects through authenticity. The result, more effective prospecting, higher close rates, and more referrals. Best of all, the Selling from the Heart methodology works with your existing sales model. To learn more, visit www.sellingfromtheheart.net and make sure to listen to me and my co-host Larry Levine each week on the Selling from the Heart podcast. Well, you know, right now it's critical that we enable our sales teams to be productive. At the same time, reps need to be able to have consistent interactions with prospects and clients that are both authentic and personalized. So to help us with this, we're going to talk with Joel Stevenson. He's the CEO of Yesware, a leader in sales productivity software. He's an expert in helping businesses become more efficient and productive in the way they interact with their clients. Over the years, you'll find that Joe has developed a keen understanding of how technology can be used to improve productivity in vastly different environments and business types. We're going to have a great conversation today. Joel, welcome to the Revenue Growth Podcast. It's great to have you here
1: yeah great to be here and uh, love love the focus on authenticity we're We're big believers in that and that driving results. so it's uh, great to be on the show.
0: Well, it's great to have you here as well. and I think that really sets up a lot of this conversation, which is you know we've got we've got a little bit of attention here. We've got to drive sales productivity um and we also realize that in in the environment that we're in right now, trust is paramount. It always has been, uh, but it's a challenge. and I know one of the things that has Um, has, has been uh, along that spectrum, a bit of attention is there's a, there's a thought that when we get technology involved, that we start to lose some of the authenticity now, right? It becomes automated. And talk to us a little bit about how, how you're seeing people overcome this challenge, because by the way, I want to set this up uh, correctly. One of the cool things uh, that I love about what you and your team are doing at Yesware is you guys are managing a data set of literally billions of interactions with clients.
1: Yeah, we, we see a lot um, from our vantage point, you know, from everything from opens to replies to, you know, attachment opens uh, campaign usage. And some of that we put in a, a report we talk about in a bit, but yeah, we we are fortunate to have a very rich data set uh, here at Yesware.
0: So I think that gives that I just want to bring that into the forefront, because as you're listening um, into this, we're talking here not just about theory or we're not just talking about, um, you know, some some nice ideas. We're talking about some data backed ideas based on just an incredible data set of interactions. So let's go back to this this uh, conversation about automation and authenticity. Those two seem diametrically opposed sometimes. How do you uh, enable sales productivity without them getting lost in the robotic automation buckets?
1: Right. Right. Well, I think you, you, where you want to start is with the easy wins. And so, if there are things that you keep doing manually, like syncing information to Salesforce or uh, rewriting the same thing all the time, like there are some quick wins around you know getting tools that can sync that information automatically, have templates, have mm-hmm. a series of communications set up where where you're not spending time doing. Uh, activities that are just as well done uh, with a machine. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would sort of say like that's step one, at least like try to get those wins. Then once you've got those wins, then it starts to become a little bit of a question about um how you want to grow um in in how authentic or how bespoke, you know, do you want your process to be? Mm-hmm. And you know, there are um you know a couple of schools of thought here. One school of thought is well, more volume is better. And the way that you would get more and more volume is you would drive more and more automation. Um, into your tool, and there are there are plenty of tools out there that can drive um, you know really remarkable levels of, of automation. the The challenge that I generally see with that approach is that um, you know everybody is now maybe seven years ago, people were less accustomed to receiving, um, you know, automated email messages from a, uh, from a rep. It was, people were very used to getting those from marketers, but maybe Mm -hmm. not so much from, from sales reps. And so like your ability to still seem human was a little bit better than it is right now. And I feel like now, you know, everybody's gotten, particularly any executive at, at, you know, a company of any scale has gotten so many of these um, Mm -hmm. over the years that as soon as there's a tip off that it's not really a human behind the keyboard typing an email, I think it's, there's, you have a very high chance of being put um, in the spam folder if you didn't land there uh, to begin with. Mm-hmm. And so there's, um, you know, th- there's a promise and apparel of automation where like smart automation makes, makes all the sense in the world. But, you um, you know, if you take it too far, you you can burn bridges. And one of the things that we we try to caution people about—it's very difficult to prove this—is more just my assertion um, uh, than I than I, I have data to support this. But you know, w- when you send out tons and tons of emails and you get some responses, there's a positive that comes back, like an, an affirmative mm-hmm. thing that says, "Okay, this I something good happened." I mean, it could be somebody telling you, "Like, never email me again" or "Take me off your list." <laughs> but let's assume for a minute you get some positive responses back. Some level you
0: know, of attention. Yeah, you've
1: done some good <laughs> copywriting or something right. like that. But it's really hard to measure all the people that silently curse you or that or or you know the, the damage done to your brand by sort of being yeah. known as like moronic spammers. And so you what you sometimes see, you know, if you if you watch uh certain companies over long periods of time, sometimes you'll get new leadership in, and the new leadership is like the high volume, high automation leadership, and that works for like nine months, right? And then it starts to implode, but like by the time it starts to implode. The leadership's all right well it's starting to implode let's go do it at the next place and so you could have a resume that says like grew sales or grew revenue by x percent extra next but 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 when when you're constantly not there to sort of then deal with the aftermath of that Mm. um it's it's a little bit of an easier story but again these things are difficult to prove it's more of like what you believe um about the market but we tend to think that um, especially these days as the countermeasures are getting better, uh, that, um, it really pays to, uh, invest in, uh, in a set of communications that you'd be proud to send.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that a lot, by the way, for context as well. I, can you give us a quick flyover of yes, where, and, and what you do and the, in the vision behind the company?
1: Yeah, Yesware is a, is, is a sales productivity tool, sometimes referred to as, as sales engagement. Um, we integrate deeply inside of your inbox, either Gmail or Outlook, and we help you save time by automating the road tasks that we talked about earlier. And then we start to help you understand um, a better picture of how you're engaging with your customers, whether that's you know who's engaging with your email content, which content's working better than others, uh, which series of communications are working better than others. Um, and then from that, you can start to build uh, a scalable, repeatable process, hopefully in your in your outbound communications. Well,
0: and this is what I like about this. Um, if you know, for those those sales leaders who are listening in, that you know are on, in either camp. One is like automate, 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 and the other is like we're not automating anything. That's not authentic. You know, if if you come to the center of this and and you look at this, um, there's there's some real benefits here in terms of understanding what types of communications are actually resonating with clients. And, you know, one of the things as sales professionals, sales professionals, we come in uh, to a new company, we're trying to learn a new um, product we're trying to learn a new company. We've got a new set of clients and prospects and, and for new salespeople, it's really hard to know what to say. And I see a lot of tremendous value in being able to look at, okay, well, what messages are resonating with with our clients and how can we put that framework in front of our new salespeople coming on board so they can get up to speed very quickly? It seems like that's a tremendous benefit to an organization.
1: Yes, exactly. Everyone not having to invent the wheel over and over again, and that mm-hmm. you know that can manifest in bigger organizations that maybe have the you know some sales enablement or uh, rev ops that can sort of look across the team and figure out what's working, and then start to share that in a more systematic way. But a lot of teams that are smaller don't have the benefit of sales enablement or a big sales ops team that can help them manage some of that stuff, and so the ability for a peer to learn for a peer to learn from a peer um, is another important way in which information gets, can get shared inside of a sales team.
0: Yeah. I think that's actually a really good point because if you think about the, the smaller organization where the founder is trying to remove the sales hat. And I mean, I've had this conversation, um, in the last week with a founder saying, Hey, I I need to get another rep up to speed. Well, what better way to do that than to begin to be able to coach them on how to craft email messages and content through, uh, through a tool that that's in front of them. And I think that uh, that right there is is a really powerful application. of This type of technology, even inside a small organization that might not think our we're too small for that. um, Maybe maybe this is actually a good path for uh, those founders who want to take the sales hat off to actually do it and um, have their reps be effective.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. We we do have a lot of sort of solopreneurs or, or CEOs of small companies that are the de facto salesperson that use Yesware cuz you know we tend to be pretty easy to get up and running without a lot of overhead. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, you you know there's this progression that that sometimes gets talked about in early stage companies, where you start with whiteboard selling, and then you move from whiteboard selling to PowerPoint selling, then eventually you sort of move to PDF selling, mm-hmm. and that that initial transition where someone, or even you know, sort of the first you know kind of missionary type salesperson that comes in, they figure out you know typically a lot of the ways that this will work, like what messages are going to yeah. work, like who do we talk to, and then to the extent that that can be passed on, um, you know, with some you know, sort of digital artifacts and a tool where you can do something about it versus sort of, you know, in written notes or a conversation that, that can speed time to productivity for the next person.
0: I like that a lot. You know, another another interesting thing about this, and, and once again, we're speaking to sales leaders, some who are on the authenticity side going, let my reps do whatever they want. Um, hey, that's going to get you an inconsistent message. And other that are on the total automation side is probably going to get you a robotic message. But if you can live in the middle, I think another, another real benefit to this is thinking about the way that buyers um, needs, by the outcomes they want are evolving and thus the way your message needs to evolve. Um, I'm a firm believer, and we talk about in Revenue Growth Engine that buyers don't buy products, they buy the outcomes, the products and services enable. And those outcomes are changing, right? We had a pre-pandemic, we had a pandemic. Now we got supply chain issues, pricing issues. And if you're listening to this someday in the future, who knows what's going on right now? and, And the reality is, We've got to be able to quickly coach our salespeople through shifting the message and the conversation so that they're relevant. Um, I'm curious how you're seeing organizations leverage technology like Yesware to shift those sales conversations to adapt to the marketplace.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, a, a huge shift that you're seeing not only, you know, from the market is how we can sell, right? And so like the mm-hmm. the, the last time I saw a study like this published might have been five or six years ago, but at the time, the the study suggested that there were six million non-retail salespeople in the U.S. and of the six million, about half were focused on inside selling and about half were focused on outside selling. Well, I'm pretty sure they're all focused on inside selling now um, and remote selling. And mm-hmm. I, you know, we our view is that it's probably for most industries not going back to the way it was because even if the reps want to get out and travel and do whatever, I think buyers have figured out that you know we can actually get a lot done remotely, and it's it's a better use of, of the buyer's time in many mm-hmm. cases to, to to drive a remote selling process. And so one, one of the things that we've seen emerging in the pandemic is a lot of people that are having to figure out how to run a, a digital or remote first sales process, maybe for the first time in, in their career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and it's not like you can't show up to somebody's office anymore. Or you maybe can't even get them on the phone, you know, and so you need a tool like, uh, like email, in in many cases to open up a conversation, and so there there's some amount of um, you know training that has to be done about okay well. <laughs> okay, and now I understand that I've got to, you know, maybe do a little bit more volume that I'm, that I'm accustomed to. And as you said, like, I, I need to also customize these things and make it relevant to my buying audience. So how do I use these tools? Um, and then how, how do I understand the information that's coming back from the tools? So you get a lot of questions about like, well, wh- when is an email open, an email open? And like, what does this mean? Or what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So there, there's a good amount of, I feel like, of, um, you know, people just coming into technology like this for the first time even though it's been around for um, a a number of years uh, now. And then I I think from the buying side, uh, a couple of things. One is um, on the... The phone side, I think one thing that's really different is, you know, I remember when I first started my sales career, like I used to call into the switchboard and, you know, you'd figure, you know, there was a game about like figuring out the person's extension and then figuring out the way yep. to bypass the operator. There were all these, you know, books written about like, how do you get past the gatekeeper and get to the person's phone, yeah. you know, uh, or, or the, the, old, the old thing about. Uh, you know, listen to when the person changes, they're out of office in the morning. Cause that's when, you know, they get in the office. So you call them at six, <laughs> yeah, there's all, there are all these tricks. And I feel like, you know, when you were on a, when you're on a desk phone, you didn't have a lot of defenses, you know, you mm-hmm. might have a caller ID that comes through, but if your desk phone is ringing, you know, there's a decent chance you're probably going to pick it up. Um, but now with cell phones, like the countermeasures are much better, right? So it's like, I think about my own cell phone. It's like, I've got good caller ID. I've got, you know, spam detection. I've got all these things that have sort of, sort of been crowdsourced. And then if I'm still not sure, I put the person through the Google Assistant, and now they're talking to a robot, and I'm listening. I'm watching the transcript go by, and like maybe the person. <laughs> so so I, 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 you know, and then if, if you do a bad job with that, then maybe I la- I might label you as spam. Right. Uh, I try not to. We're in, that, we're in that we're in that business too, but um, mm-hmm. so I, I feel like the um, particularly on the phone side, it's a lot more difficult to do cold outreach on the phone um, than it ever was. And then mm-hmm. on, on the on the email side, you know, you've got to sort of deal with the fact that now you know email volumes are going up. Um, you know, people are, are maybe tethered to their desk all day. So you got a better chance of hitting the inbox, but also, um, you know, uh, tools like Google are are filtering more and more stuff out of the inbox. And so you've got to figure out, um, you know, how can you, how can you ensure that the message that you're going to write is going to land in the inbox? And then when it does land, you know, you've got probably one shot at the person, you know, so so better, better be good.
0: Yeah. This is, you know, it's interesting because it feels like the screws are being turned down on all of these these areas of communication, and I think that's why being analytical about what's working is really important for companies right now. You know, rather than just hoping that your sales team um, is coming up with some type of, of cadence, if they're doing a cadence at all, mm, right? Yeah, <laughs> Which right. you yeah. know, ah, oh, they're not interested. Uh, yeah. but having a cadence and having software that enables that cadence. And measures it is, is critical. I love how um, you put together the sales uh, sales engagement data trends report. Um, and we talked earlier about how you literally have billions of interactions. So if anyone knows what's working and what's not, um, when you've got that set of data, it's extremely helpful to know what's working. So I'm curious, as, as you look at the trends and you look at the reports, what are some things that jump out to you? in terms of what's working and what's not and how we should be thinking about business development in 2022.
1: Yeah. In in and you know for this particular report, we actually took a look at some of our uh you know some of our highest growth customers that we know from mm-hmm. sort of external uh benchmarks and metrics. So these are you know it's not only the whole custom yes we're a customer base. It's like the ones that we know are sort of killing it cool. um, out the market right now. And I mean one of the things that I think maybe uh, you know, might surprise people is that what, what, one of the things we talked about in the report is sort of like the, the, the best cadence based on reply rate. And that actually extends out 14 days. I think some, some people have a point of view that like, you know, maybe it should all be within like a very short thing or should be, you know, or some also says like drip it sort of forever. But, um, this data suggests that, you know, sort of the the middle, what I regard as a middle approach. Um, yeah. And that would be, you know, six touches over 14 days across a couple of different channels um, is the one that that seems to be emerging. Now, these things can change quickly, just like subject lines and all. You right. know, it's a dynamic, you know, you're sort of competing in a dynamic market, not only with um, what you're trying to do to, to cut through. But then as others copy tactics that are working, you then maybe have to change your tactics again. So th- right. th- these things can change quickly, but this is what this is what t- tends to be working right now um, on average for the, the high-performing teams that we studied.
0: Yeah, that's good to know. And I mean, this is, by the way, if you want to get a copy of this report, we'll put it in the show notes I think it's really, really fascinating. It's got a lot of granular data that is helpful for anybody thinking about how to construct their prospecting Uh, sequence, cadence and all of that. Um, And I thought it was interesting that uh, you studied, um, you looked at actually sales teams collaborating with each other Mm -hmm. in this and the effect of collaboration was really, really surprising when I read this report
1: yeah it's like it's maybe one of those things that we all understand intuitively to be true at some level but yeah we were you know we we sort of put people in different buckets about the degree to which they collaborated and we and we were finding you know two to three times you know multipliers on uh on sort of the the highest level of sharing versus uh the the lowest level of sharing and you know i i think what what um you know sales is often thought of as a zero sum game mm-hmm. um in the sense that you know a, a rep might say, "Well, like if everybody starts killing it, then the quotas are going to go up, then we're gonna have to do more work but and I think that's maybe a little more of an older school mm-hmm. um approach and and what I tend to find is that um, younger salespeople tend to have much more of like an esprit de corps, like let's all figure this out together and let's make this company super successful. And in the tech space, there's, you know, you got equity and, you know, you got the ability to, to benefit from, you know, from an exit event. So I, w- mm-hmm. we tend to see, I think some of the younger teams actually, I think operating in a more healthy way as it relates to, um, to, to teamwork. But um, you know, if, if one person figures out that, okay, when we go from the demo meeting or from the discovery meeting to the demo meeting, that actually when you send this white paper to the person, we've got a much better chance of getting them into the into the demo meeting than, than once that gets shared. Now, everybody in your team is immediately more productive, right? Yeah, so yeah. That's where you start to get some unlocks and some of the things that, you know, you can really start to build a, a repeatable, scalable motion against.
0: That's really, really cool. You also said, I mean, it's down, This report's fascinating and anybody that is involved in prospecting and I think all the marketing people that are, are listening in are going to find this interesting as well. Based on our data, the best time to send an email is 1 p.m. 1 p.m., right? Who'd have thought? And, uh, you know, the second best is 11 a.m. And I think that's really fascinating. Just starting to think strategically about when we, not just when we call, but also when we, we send messages.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, And, you know, again, this is, this is the sort of thing that can move because as, you know, people start to find things at work and the word gets out about it, then everybody starts sending emails at one PM and then now you gotta move to you gotta <laughs> right. to, you gotta move to some other <laughs> time. Right. <laughs> right. But you know, at some level there there's there is some logic in it in the sense yeah. that particularly in a COVID world, you know, a lot of people are gonna have some breaks during lunchtime. Mm-hmm. And they're you know, because you know there's gonna be some uh some amount of meetings or some amount of people that are not gonna wanna schedule meetings over lunch, but you're sort of sitting there at your desk you know, eating your sandwich or something, and you're kind of scrolling through emails and looking through, and you've got a little bit of, maybe just a little bit more of a window of free time there um, than you might during the morning when you're trying to catch up on all the stuff from the day before, and you might be scanning emails, but, per- but perhaps not replying, or then at the end of the day, well, like you're trying to wind things down and be done with work, um, or maybe there's a few fires that are burning inside your company that are more important than, you know, replying to this person that you've never heard of before. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that the, all of that it, it continues to make the case for productivity um, software and some level of automation. Because if you're a sales rep and you're just banging emails out on, you know, on through your through your email client, whatever you use, you're going to send it whenever. But if you've got some level of automation and a sequence queued up, you can say, "Hey, send this at at a optimal time." And That's I also love. Job. Yeah, so this this is uh, my friend Larry Levine's going to be really happy about this because he is a firm believer that Saturday is uh, the best prospecting day mm-hmm. and uh, weekend. Saturday is the best weekend day to send meeting invites. There you go, folks. Um, but I think this is you know this is once again another another benefit of of automation because you don't necessarily always need to send everything at nine to five Monday through Friday. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly right, and and, may, and this may be another thing that um, you know. Perhaps this is well, this was always true, but as, as lines are blurred between uh, work and home and COVID times, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people might yeah, like Saturday morning. There's less other emails coming in, but I'm still scanning my work inbox because I'm sitting in front of my desk. <laughs> like yeah, uh, you know, so yeah, there, there's so definitely some cool. things changing.
0: Well, this is a great report. We'll put it in the link. Um, Sales engagement, data trends for sales managers to know going into 2022. Um, As we wrap up, I just want to put the crystal ball out there a little bit. What What are you seeing in terms of future trends for sales productivity, technology and sales enablement?
1: Yeah, we, so I guess we have a belief that, and, you know, we're part of this is, is based on the fact that we are sort of a product led growth company ourselves where, you know, we're, we're pretty big believers in, you know, building, uh, you know, inbound content, just like, uh, just like this report, we're big Mm -hmm. believers in the, in the product sort of selling itself. And so we've got, you know, a free tier, we actually just reintroduced in November, a free tier of Yesware again, so you get a bunch of functionality, you know, without ever having to pay for it. Um, and, you know, we think that, um, you know, while, you know, prospecting is always going to be a part of selling the, the the days of getting really good results from super high volume prospecting, we think are like the, the diminishing returns are starting to set in on those strategies. Mm-hmm. And when we think about um the way a salesperson would go from meeting zero to meeting one, maybe looking a little bit more like a marketing motion where I've got a thousand people and sort of this version of how I do things. And I've got another thousand over here in this other version. I find the one that wins and I do that until I find another thing that 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 competes. But the variation within um, uh, within those processes, isn't that different? Even if you're customizing every single message to really land with um, with a particular prospect, like there, there's a there's a relatively narrow um, set of variability there in mm-hmm. in terms of the approach. Uh, However, once you get it, once you get that first meeting and now you're trying to take somebody from, you know, let me figure out about, let me understand your company and what your issues are and how my company's products can help solve what your business challenges are. Now you you sort of throw out the script, if you will, where, you know, some things move in a straight line. But, you know, as we know from from selling, uh, many things don't. And, you know, you go on side quests and you get derailed and the new person shows up at the org. all of mm-hmm. the, all of these things are, are, are sort of happening, and so we're we're increasingly trying to focus the product on uh, making sure that you can prospect with the tool, but where we really shine is when you get that, you know, that precious lead that you can take that from, uh, you know, from, from lead all the way through to closed one. And, you know, kind of think about this idea of like, let's not have any unforced errors in the selling process. So like, right, not right. up with somebody that's an unforced error, you know, like not sending good, uh, you know, not having sort of a, a good professionally formatted email, like that's an, un- that's an unforced error. And so if we can help, People with the follow-up and the right set of things to do, you know, at the right time with the right set of people. That's we think that would be uh, that would be a great help to a lot of reps. So that that's where we're we're trying to take things.
0: Absolutely love it. What a great conversation, Joel. um, I just want to say a huge thank you for uh, not only investing with our audience here today, um, and I know everyone's going to want to get a copy of that special report. But I just want to say thank you as well for um being generous to share this data with the whole world and coaching all of us on how to be more excellent um i think that is uh awesome and uh, best wishes to all the things that are going on at yesware it's really really cool
1: yeah well thanks for having me and you know sales is hard but it's very important you know for the spread of ideas and sort of the functioning of the economy so happy to to give back
0: awesome awesome well what an incredible conversation today and i think right now um, you know, what I want to challenge everybody to do is, is take what you learned today. This this might be an episode you want to go back and rewind and take a few notes because I believe that there are some things that all of us can apply to make our sales teams more effective. The other thing I wanted to say as well is I believe that marketing people, This is we talked about collaboration. It's great for salespeople to collaborate together, but with this type of, of tool in place as well, let's get the marketing people and salespeople in the room together together discussing what's working in terms of the message and let's collaborate to uh, succeed. Once again, uh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for everybody who's uh, leaving reviews. If you're not subscribed to the revenue growth podcast, please hit subscribe, Uh, share this podcast with your friends and colleagues, especially those in revenue generating positions. We've got a fantastic lineup of guests coming up throughout the winter and spring. uh, So I look forward to sharing more and more ideas all around driving and accelerating revenue growth. So I want to encourage everybody out there. I know that it's uh, in some industries and some parts of the world, it's really challenging. As we said uh, all last year, let's get going and let's get growing. Would you like to get complimentary access to the Revenue Growth Engine audiobook? Just text the word REVENUE to 21000 or go to revenuegrowthengine.com slash book. You'll get instant access to the audiobook so you can get ideas to help you grow your revenue so you can scale your impact. Text the word revenue to 21,000 or go to revenuegrowthengine.com slash book to get instant access. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you found ideas to help you drive exponential revenue growth so your business can make more of an impact. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to like or subscribe. It also helps us spread the word if you'd be kind enough to leave a review. Of course, we'd love it if you would share this with your friends. Together we are growing revenue so we can scale our impact.